We're going to continue our relationship series this morning before I read the scripture that you have in your bulletin before you. Um, Last week we looked at friends. Um, Week before that we looked at the blueprint for relationships, the basis for our relationships, and today we'll look at being more than friends. As I search scripture and I try to find, you know, what does the Lord say about uh, dating? What does he say about falling in love and, and, and those different things? I, I had a hard time um, because the cultures are different. Um, they had arranged marriages back then. Um, it wasn't, people didn't go out on dates like we do. But I think uh, and believe, as you'll see, the Lord speaks clearly to our lives from these stories and this story. The world we live in today is obviously, as we learned from last week's message, more about friends than about marriage and family. And when there ever is a family on TV, it's always very dysfunctional. As a result, I believe we the Bible seems to be more and less um, applicable to the way that we live today. Besides the one message to singles and their romantic friendships that it's sung strong throughout the centuries. What is that message? Don't have sex before you're married. It seems like that's all scripture seems to be about. Well, I will agree with you, though I believe it's a true and good message. It is not enough. Well, this morning we will look at a story of more than friends. Though from a culture, again, of arranged marriage, it offers a picture of true beauty and romance and hope to our culture. Let's read and then let's explore this um, together. If you look in your bulletin at the scripture there, it comes from Genesis 24th chapter. This is the word of God. Abraham was now old and well advanced in years and the Lord had blessed him in every way. He said to the chief servant in his household, the one in charge of all that he had, put your hand under under my thigh. It was a way of of, um, having a covenant, making a promise. I want you to swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not get a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I am living, but will go to my country and my own relatives and get a wife for my son Isaac. The servant asked him, what if the woman is unwilling to come back with me to this land? Shall I then take your son back to the country you came from? Make sure that you do not take my son back there, Abraham said. The Lord, the God of heaven, who brought me out of my father's household in my native land and who spoke to me and promised me on oath, saying to your offspring, I will give this land. He will send his angel before you so that you can get a wife for my son from there. If the woman is unwilling to come back with you, then you will be released from this oath of mine. Only do not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of his master Abraham and swore an oath to him concerning this matter. In between the two scriptures, of course, the servant goes and he finds Isaac, a wife by the name of Rebekah, and we, exp- we will explore what happens um, in a little bit later. This is the end. Then they said, let's call the girl and ask her about it, about going with him. So they called Rebecca and asked her, will you go with this man? I will go, she said. 
So they sent their sister Rebekah on her way along with her nurse and Abraham's servant and his men. And they blessed Rebekah and said to her, Our sister, may you increase to thousands upon thousands. May your offspring possess the gates of their enemies. Then Rebekah and her maids got ready and mounted their camels and, and went back with the man. So, so the servant took Rebekah and left. Now Isaac had come from Beer Lahai Roy, for he was living in Negev. In the Negev, he went out to the field one evening to meditate, and as he looked up, he saw camels approaching. Rebecca also looked up and saw Isaac. She got down from her camel and asked the servant, "Who is that man in the field coming to meet us?" "He is my master," the servant answered. So she took her veil and covered herself. Then the servant told Isaac all he had done. Isaac brought her into the tent of his mother, Sarah, and he married Rebekah. So she became his wife, and he loved her. And Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. This is the word of the Lord. My favorite modern-day love poet, whom I will refer to a lot as we go through this series and then our two marriage uh, sermons in this relationship series, is a singer many of you may know as Jill Scott. Now, Kelly and I, my wife uh, and I, like to say that her stuff is deep. I can't think of a song that gets to the bottom of being more than friends or on a good date, better than the song, A Long Walk. That the road that leads and breeds being more than friends is like a long walk. Listen to these lyrics. You're here, I'm pleased. I really dig your company. Your style, your smile, your peace mentality. Lord, have mercy on me. I was blind, but now I see. What a king's supposed to be. Baby, I feel free. Come on and go with me. Let's take a long walk around the park after dark. Find a spot for us to spark conversation, verbal elation, stimulation, share our situations, temptations, education, relaxations, elevations. Maybe we can talk about Surah 31, 18. Your background it, it ain't squeaky clean. Sometimes we all got to swim upstream. You ain't no saint. We all are sinners. But you put your good foot down and make your soul a winner. It's hard not to sing it. Sorry. I respect that. Man, you're so fat. And you're all that plus supreme. Then you're humble. Man, I'm numb. You, yo, with feeling, I can feel everything that you bring. Let's take a long walk around the park after dark. Find a spot for us to spark conversation. Verbal elation, stimulation, share our situations, temptations, education, relaxations, elevations. Maybe we can talk about Revelation 31.18. Or maybe we can see a movie or maybe we can see a play on Saturday. Or maybe we can roll a tree and feel a breeze and listen to a symphony. Or maybe chill and just be. Or maybe, maybe we can take a cruise and listen to the roots or maybe eat some passion fruit. Or maybe cry to the blues. Or maybe we could just be silent. Let's take a long walk around the park after dark. Find a spot for us to spark. Conversation. Verbal elation. Stimulation. Share our situations. Temptations. Educations. Come on 
baby, maybe we can save the nation. Come on. So in her song, it's all there, isn't it? The timing, the person, the atmosphere, the respect void of any kind of sexual pressure or exploitation, void of fear and loneliness. There is this proper sharing and you have the breeze and the sun and the music, the the spiritual connection, though obviously I can't advocate rolling the tree and reading from the Quran. It's all there, not because she is so awesome or or more informed than any of us, as we will see in another one of her songs that we'll look at. It's all there because we know what it could or should feel like, even if we haven't personally been more than friends with anyone. I believe in our narrative today, it's all there for us. And we'll explore three things I believe are offered in this passage for being more than friends. First, we'll see that we need the Lord's guidance. Secondly, we'll see that we need the Lord's freedom to be more than friends. And finally, we ultimately need the Lord's protection in being more than friends. How do you know who the right one is? How do you know whether this this thing you're in right now is right? How do you know the time is right? How close is too close? How long is too long to date? How short is too short? Obviously, we need some guidance. Now, the scripture testifies in its cultural explanation of this relationship of marriage, of them heading to marriage by joining their marriage as being part of God's continuing blessing, that it is right and okay if you feel like you want to be or have someone who is more than a friend, that we need the Lord's guidance because it is the it was the Lord's design that made our hearts want that and desire that to desire someone to have and take a long walk with to want and be wanted in a different kind of way but with that said the draw to be and have more than friends is part of god's creative design and seeing that we must also recognize in this story it was according to a destiny that it was called according to something bigger than isaac and rebecca Now, let me review what happens here again. Abraham feels the time is right for his son to find a wife. He's about to die. The will is Isaac's. And for the family wealth and name to continue, it is important that he be married and have children and continue the family line. And more importantly, for the very promise of God that was made to Abraham, that he's going to be a blessing to all the world, he must be married and have children to continue. But it must be the right one at the right time. 
So he asked his servant to go back to Ur, back to the place where Abraham was called by God from, where he was called by God to go to the promised land, to be a promised people. And I want to explain this to you, that it was important that because what the Lord was doing in promising Abraham, he promised him not only would you be a people, but that you would be a people tied to a land that would be prosperous, that out of this land and people, you would be a blessing to the world. So he says, so being a chosen people went hand in hand. It was a God-given destiny for Abraham and his descendants. And so though he wanted Isaac to marry a girl from his hometown, she had to therefore be willing to come back to the promised land, to come back to Canaan, not to have Isaac go and live with her in her land, but she had to be willing to come back to be part of the promise. To find a wife for Isaac who would be willing to come back is not about Isaac just having a fiancé or future wife, but more about being right according to what God had planned and destined for Isaac. In other words, it had to be a match made in heaven. It had to be a match made by God himself. I want you to consider all that was on the line. That if, that if this servant went out and didn't find a wife for, for Isaac, everything would be messed up. Abraham would die before he was able to see the, the wedding. And yet, he says, if these things don't happen, if you don't find this woman in this way, in this place, then I'm going to tell you, come back home. You're free from your oath. In other words, Abraham was so convinced that it had to be the right one. He was willing for him to come back empty-handed instead of do it wrongly or find the wrong one. And so when the servant goes to the town, he is so intent on getting it right that he leaves it up to God's providence. I'm going to read to you. You don't have this in your bulletin, but he goes to um, the city and this is what happens. The servant took 10 of his master's camels and left, taking with him all kinds of good things from his master He set out for Aram Naharim and made his way to the town of Nahor. He had the camels kneel down near the well outside the town. It was toward evening, the time when women go out to draw water. Then he prayed, O Lord God of my master Abraham, give me success today and show kindness to my master Abraham. See, I am standing beside the spring, and the daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water. May it be that when I say to a girl, please let down your jar that I may have a drink, and she says, drink, and I'll water your camels too. Let her be the one you have chosen for your servant Isaac. By this I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. Scripture goes on to say this. Before he had finished praying this, Rebekah came out with her jar on her shoulder. She was the daughter of Bethiel, son of Melchah, who was the wife of Abraham's brother Nahor. The girl was very beautiful, a virgin. No man had ever lain with her. She went down to the spring, filled her jar, and came up again. Now, I'm going to tell you what happens, of course. She says, can I give you a drink and can I water your camels too? And, and the servant is elated. He says, praise God, man, you are the one. 
And so his culture says, he, he, the Bible says it's kind of strange. He puts a ring on her, on her, he put a bracelet on her hand and a ring in her nose. See, you thought having a ring in your nose was a new thing. No, it started back then. And, and, and basically he was saying, I gotcha. I want to check you out. I want to make sure you can come back. But everything connected. What we see is the servant didn't go and try to force it to happen. He actually made us, these things have to happen. She not only had to give me water, but she had to give the camel water too to make sure the Lord had truly guided him to this particular girl. And when he goes back and talks to the brother who's Laban about taking Rebecca back with him, verse 50 says that he said, yes, this is great. You can go with him. You can be married if you want to. And he says, because we know this is from the Lord. This was the Lord's choice. This was the Lord's doing. You know, one thing that was hard in my singleness, in my dating and time and dating time days, you know how you be in a group of people or be at school and you see somebody or you're hanging around. You're just wondering, is this the one? Is that the one? You know, almost like the Matrix. Is this is this the chosen one who I'm going to be with? Or, or some of you may feel or, or may have felt the same things, but there's a greater issue at hand. It's not in the looking for or wondering about the one. It's more about the grounds and basis by which we determine and accept the yes or the no or the not now or the maybe in our searching, looking and desiring for someone who would be more than friends. That we seek and then accept and live by the answer according to something and someone bigger than we can manipulate to make happen or be depressed if it doesn't or hasn't happened. I say this because we are so quick to change our values for the worse. I I will tell you, for the Christians in the room, you don't know it many times I've heard, man, this girl got it going on. I, I really like her. And I, I did this. I, I was, um, had a friend and I was a Christian and I, I went to him. I said, man, I really like this girl, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, well, um, why don't you try going to church with her or something? Like, oh, she doesn't go to church. Don't, don't worry about that. I'm going to change that. You, you kind of have this, you, you kind of change, you, you kind of do this thing where you're on a mission, but, but beyond, you know, just trying to do the right thing, it's a lie to that person. It's a lie about yourself. Isaac marrying a Canaanite or moving away from the promise to get married or to force his desire on someone else because he wanted that to happen so bad would have been out of accord to what God wanted. The other thing we do is we will get into the meat market in our loneliness. Not that I think it's wrong to go to singles things or say yes to a date. Sometimes I think some of us say yes to a date more often. But I think what happens to us is, is, look at the servant. He did go where the women hung out. He went where the women were drawing water. But when you make yourself easy pickings, when you're desperate for this person or for that relationship more than you should, that if the answer is no, then your relationship with the Lord or others and yourself will fall apart or become hard. Some of us here have exercised violence against ourselves 
we've actually looked in the mirror and thought we're too this or too that or too tall or too fat or too skinny or too old or too quiet or too prudish. And we need not live like that. Abraham in this instance knew what was more important, that was something more trustworthy than his or Isaac's desire and drive, that there is a God who will and should guide us in this endeavor through and in the desire, through and in the disappointments, and even if it means through and in our loneliness, but never out of his promise and care and love for you. But the answer is not need not be in finding a better bar to hang out with or in slipping into something tighter or shorter and and being more buff or or changing who you are or even how badly you want it. But actually doing something different, looking to God himself who gives, who, who secures our lives and his design and good destiny. You know, in allowing God to guide our, guide our date and Kelly and I had two different experiences. She and I both prayed in different points, Lord, we're tired of dating, then just guide us, you know, say yes or no, help us not to manipulate or, or settle for less than this. And, and I'm going to tell you what happened. Uh, Kelly went dateless for what seemed forever. She said, I don't want to date unless it's right. And so she sat home a long time. She told me once that on the Valentine's Day, she sat alone and ate dinner. I, on the other hand, I wasn't alone on Valentine's. I wasn't. uh, I was dating. But nevertheless, it was still not right. Not now. Not them. And we almost had to accept maybe not ever. What is scripture teaching us here? In our loneliness, possibly in being a bridesmaid and, and never a bride, and being always the best man and never the groom, even in always being chosen to be part of the singles group and never the choice, never yes by every girl you ask, that we should look to God to guide and call and choose and guide us, even if it's no or never, to choose and guide us through the yes and always, to choose and guide you and me through whatever he decides, to actually let him arrange our engagements to be the matchmaker himself. And in that, we look at Scripture and see that we need God to free us. A couple things had to be in place for them to go ahead and be married. She and he had to be free to proceed towards more, towards marriage. Look back with me at verse 15 in chapter 24. You don't have it. Listen to this. This is the servant praying. Before he had finished praying, Rebecca came out with her jar on her shoulder. She was the daughter of Bethiel, son of Michal, who was the wife of Abraham, Abraham's brother Nahor. Scripture says, the girl was very beautiful, a virgin. No man had ever lain with her. She went down to the spring and filled her jar and came up again. I don't know how he knew she was a virgin, um, but... When I researched and I discovered that oftentimes uh, women who hadn't been given to any man or, or had, had, had slept with any other man, sometimes they had outward signs. Sometimes they had a, a colorful robe or maybe in our day like they didn't have a certain ring. Maybe she didn't have the ring in her nose like, like uh, she had once she met up with this person. Maybe it was the veil she wore, but she was free to go because she was not committed to another. 
Thus, this was so important so that the children would be of Isaac, thus carrying the promise of God given to Abraham. We see that she was given by her family. She wasn't committed to have to stay at home. But her brother said, go, go on, be married. You're not bound here. And according to the culture of the day, we see that Isaac's freedom was about his having his stuff together. Look at what the servant says in verse 34 and 36 in the scripture. It says this. So he said, I am Abraham's servant. The Lord has blessed my master abundantly and he has become wealthy. He's given him sheep and cattle and silver and gold, men servants and maid servants and camels and donkeys. My master's wife, Sarah, has borne him a son in her old age and he has given him everything he owns. And giving those things and saying what he had, he said that this woman, if if she comes with me, she would be honored and taken care of. Simply put in today's vernacular, there was finance before there was romance. It was a cultural thing, but he was ready in his life to have someone who was more than friends, who would become his wife. Their circumstances and commitments freed them to be more than friends, to take a long walk. Part of this application is fairly clear to us today. If you are married to someone, you aren't free to be more than friends with someone else. And if the person you are looking at is married, then you are not free to pursue them. But beyond that, we we are called to be honest about our commitments, our time commitments, our personal commitments, our heart commitments. That some of us are married to to climbing the corporate ladder. We aren't free to be more than friends with anybody. Some of us are committed to our missions in life and are not freed to be more than friends. That some of us may be committed to ourselves so much so that we are not free to do any more than that. Some of us are too busy adorning ourselves with time and stuff. We don't have a camel or a nose ring or bracelet to spare beyond giving it to ourselves. Now, I have to admit, some of this needs to be checked and freed so that we can be more than friends. And some of us may be rightly committed to something celibate, if you will, for the calling on your life, not free to go. How can I say it? Some of you are on a mission from God and you are not free to pursue anything. But many of us are not free. Not because we are married. Not because we're too busy. But we aren't virgins for the giving and taking and having. And and let me explain what I mean by this. That some of us are sexually and emotionally bound. That we're in a sin pattern. Or because of sin done against us, we're bound possibly by an emotionally devastating experience or bound to love another because we have given our minds and bodies over to what should not be done. Some of us are married to to, to internet porn or some type of promiscuous living. We are flirts. We're we're sexually and emotionally flirty and we're not committers. In other words, we're players, if you will. We just want to have this person because they look good. We just want to have this person for our gratification. That's being bound by something. See... I like to be honest about it. A player is someone who's in bondage to a perversion. To somehow looking at a woman and thinking that she's an object. 
And, and, and I might say, well, well, why are you trying to hate? Why are you trying to play a hate? No, the scripture's not about play a hating. It's about playing, play a freeing. That God wants to call you out of that bondage, out of the thing that you're hooked up with in sin so that you can be free to love another rightly and purely. That you will not hurt or make a lie out of what you're doing or deceive or use people you may be interested in. And from these things, we are encouraged to be free to let God bring these things to a place where they will provide freedom for you and the other person or brought into the light so that you can be free to love. You, 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 some of you need some time. You need some help. You need some more friendships first. You, 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 that, that not to totally have everything in your life all together. Not that there won't be any struggle and sin issues. But for the relationship at hand, we need to at least have experienced and known God's forgiveness. Some of you aren't free because you need to receive and be freed by repentance and restoration to get this free to go on being single if you're not called to this. Free to, in this case, as Rebecca does, free to say yes to to her desire to be Isaac's and Isaac being free to take her and accept her, freed by God to, as our mission statement say, to first enjoy him and then form authentic relationships. I urge you and let you know there is no authentic and true relationship without the freedom God provides in our longing and worship and our repentance. But most of you know here, everyone knows that there's always the danger of being hurt or hurting, of trashing or being trashed, of taking the purity of being more than friends and contaminating it with all that we can be sinners in a sinful world. And for that and our being more than friends, the scripture encourages us to let God protect you. Remember Joe Scott? Remember the long walk? It was all there. The weather was right. The person, they have the freedom. They're listening to the music. It's just wonderful. But she's wise too. Hear this song, two songs after the long walk. I met him on a Thursday. Sunny afternoon. Cumulus clouds. 84 degrees. He was brown and deep. Said he wanted to talk about my mission, listened to my past lives, took me on a long walk to places where butterflies rest easy. He talked about Moses and Mamiya and reparations, blue colors, memories of shell topped Adidas. He was fresh like summer peaches, sweet on my mind like block parties and penny candy. Us was nice and warm. No jacket, no umbrella, just warm. At night, we would watch the stars and he would physically give me each and every one. And he was my love. Love rained down on me, down on me. I hear this. The rain was falling and slowly and sweetly stinging my eyes. I could not see that he became my voodoo priest and I was his faithful concubine. The rain was falling and I couldn't see the season changing and the vibe slipping off its axis. Our beautiful melody became wildly staccato. The rain was falling and I could not see 
that I was to be plowed and sowed and fertilized and left to drown in a sunny afternoon, cumulus clouds, 84 degrees melody. It's scary out there. In fact, many of us who, who are married don't look fondly upon our dating. It was wrong. It was deceptive. I mean, even though Kelly and I are married, I look at our dating experience as reckless, as at times demoralizing to her and to me, and unfortunately damaging to our marriage. Some of the way we dated and things we did, it set the DNA for much of our marriage intimacy, and it is not good. What we should have known this scripture gives us, that we let God protect us from uncovering ourselves. I'm going to read this to you. Look at what happens when Rebecca comes to Isaac. This is, verse, this is the end of the passage. You have this in your bulletin. Verse 61. She's coming. She's agreed to be married. She's free to be married. So, so then Rebecca and her maids got ready and mounted their camels and went back with the man. So the servant took Rebecca and left. Now Isaac had come from Beer Lahai Roy, where he was living in the Negev. He went out to the field one evening to meditate, and as he looked up, he saw the camels approaching. Rebecca also looked up and saw Isaac. She got down from her camel and asked the servant, Who is that man in the field coming to meet us? He is my master, the servant answered. So she took her veil and covered herself. Now, I will just let you know what happens. First, she makes her intentions clear. The Bible says she comes off her camel, which back then is, is cultural for, I'm yours. I'm here to be yours. And it's important, I think, for us, I'm not going to speak long, it's important our, our dating or whatever we do, to let your intentions be known, not to play with hearts or games. It's time, you know, DTR, define the relationship is important. And somehow culturally like she did, we need to, in our posture, let people know what we're thinking. Why bring somebody all the way along, go out every Friday night, and they say, oh, we were just supposed to be friends. I'm sorry I didn't let you know. Let our intentions be known. Nevertheless, what I want to get at is that Rebecca is covered to Isaac. She's not only protected by and in a company of people. When she asks, who is this coming? And he says, this is the man who has the intention of possibly marrying you. This is, this is the one. The Bible says that she covered herself. Now get this. She wasn't covered to the servant. She wasn't covered to the maids. She wasn't covered even as much to the guys around her. But when it was told that this is the guy who has intentions of marrying you and being intimate with you, the Bible says, so she got her veil and she covered herself. That because they were to court or date, to cover herself in his presence, which was was a customary way of keeping proper distance, of keeping proper lines in the relationship, that he would not and should not see and have all that possibly was to be his. That she would, out of respect for her and him, not tempt him to treat her or her to treat him improperly before the deed was done, before they were married. Let me say it in Jill Scott's language. 
he would not be given the chance to make her his faithful concubine and she would not give herself to make him become her voodoo priest to do what was selfish or self-destructive or manipulative. That all she was did not belong to him yet. That she was valuable and worth being valued and waited upon and not used or using for anything less than what God had designed. She had a dignified purpose and she was and held by her family and by her family's worth until she was to be married. This is so strange to us, I believe, because in our modern relationships, the goal is to leave little to discover or deserve or earn. We have no bank value, no deep-seated worth. It's all there. Just take me. Just have it all. Just see it all. That we are all open and open to quickly and wrongly. And I'm not just talking about physically here, but emotionally we are often so unveiled, giving our hearts and minds in desperation, willing to sell out and be sold so that we can have some sort of contrived worth just because we can get this person to like us. That the reason we show and give so much so quickly, the reason we sleep with this person so easily or don't expect or or demand commitment, marriage that is, is because we believe somewhere down the line they or we are not worth it. Let me tell you how worth can play out here. You're worth being treated properly. Because you're made in the image and likeness of God. Now remember what's going on. This is not just Isaac and, and Rebecca. This is two families coming together. Everyone's seeing what's going on. The maids are there. The servants are there. I mean, this is a group thing. In fact, he takes his bride to his mother's tent to be married and consummate this thing. I mean, this is truly a, 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 a community thing. And I think that's so important. Yes, I'm not trying to say that all dating needs to be group dating. I'm I'm not saying that. But I really believe the wisdom of the scripture says whatever you do in your relationships, it should be done in community. That there should be some people who are around you and see it happen and know it. And some of us don't have our parents around. And and so I, I think about the church as a community in which, you know, you are called by account accountably called to be treated and to treat with worth and i had a pastor say this at another church and it's going to be true in this church as a, as part of christ's central church if someone treats you improperly we're going to do what we can do about it that if a brother takes you out and violates or do something wrong maybe me and a couple of brothers from this church will go And speak to him. You're worth it. You know, we need to put some wanted signs up. I wish they'd done that to me. Yeah. I wasn't good. I loved hanging around churches. In the bad days. Need to put the players' pictures up. Wanted. Not to hurt him or destroy him. We might have to box him a couple of times. Get a couple of the bigger brothers around here to take. If someone treats you without worth, two things. 
let someone know who loves and cares for you. And if it's in this community, we want to know. If you don't know how to treat somebody with worth, then you need to be arrested and helped and counseled. It is the church's obligation to communicate the redemption of Christ to people and in that secure and, and, and restore people's dignity. And if someone treats you wrongly, we got to talk to them. It's important that we do this thing in community. Trust me, if Isaac had acted a fool, Rachel's, I mean, Rebecca's brothers would have been on the camels and the horses and something would have been done. Sometimes we seek to show more, offer more than we should. That if I can sleep with him or her, maybe they'll be mine. That I can counter my fear of it possibly not being right or working by just having a faithful concubine. It kind of a, a personal, emotional, security blanket in the cold. An object to heal what ails or covers, like covers us little boys that we call players in the dark. I will say this. If you don't have God protecting you or covering you with his worth, that if you don't have him as your father and you as a son or daughter, that if you don't have a home, a heavenly father, that like Rebecca and Isaac, if you don't come with a heavenly dowry, some kind of worth that's greater than you can even drum up, then you are unprotected here in this world in your heart and will not be protected otherwise. Just knowing you will not lose value whether someone rejects or accepts you or pressures you to do something you don't want to do against feeling like you have to manipulate or be a manipulated those things are grounded in the worth that god gives you she covered herself because she was worth something you've been by tiffany's they don't put everything in the window you don't just go and grab through the window and touch the diamonds no you got to go in and that big security guard he looks at you real hard in the face God says in Jesus Christ, human beings are worth dignity and that beyond, and beyond that, those who look to him and find and will know as they look over and over, you are worth the blood of Jesus Christ. That the guy or girl across from you, they're worth that too. That you can say yes or no because God has already showered you with his love. But of course, most of us have failed. We've sold out in our fear of being lonely and our lack of belonging, of not being worth much to ourselves or the other. The story ends here with Isaac taking her to the mother's tent to marry, to consummate the marriage, to be uncovered now, if you will. And we'll talk about that more on the marriage in the next couple of weeks. But this consummation is just as important in its overall message to singles. Isaac basically... And Rebecca make it right. The significance of the mother's tent was to show Rebecca her worth and place to him. You know, when she went to the mother's tent, it meant that she is now the matriarch. Mama, you were mama. Now I got my mama. You know, I got my girl now. You, you, her place, her value is known by bringing her to the tent. She is going to be the one the blessing comes through now. Mama, you gave birth to me. Now it's time that Rebecca be showered with the same worth. 
Isaac was chosen to carry on God's redemption that was promised to his father. And now that it was extended, Rebecca, that their union, that their courting is a picture of God's care for us. That we will and can be made right only as Christ finds us and woos us and then engages us. That he makes us in all of our relationships right and proper as he calls us to himself. For the person or persons yet to be married, let Christ find you and engage you and love you. Let him find you and engage you with his power that will change your life. Change how and who you will be or who will be your friends or more than friends. Let him shower you with love and call. Let him call you to be his. Begin to be consummated by him in repentance and prayer that leads to freedom. Let him shower like a groom on a bride his worth. Let him give you the rings that 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 say you're worth something, that, that you've been redeemed, that you're called by somebody bigger. Let him heal you from the hurt past relationships. Be uncovered before him so that he can love you all. The single, that single or married, it is our union with him and the promise he holds as God's son that in our relationships and being more than friends, that we can be guided to love, free to love, protected and healed to love, that we let Christ take us on a long walk as we journey in our romantic friendships and relationships. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we we thank you for the worth and calling and freedom that you give so that men and women can be more than friends. What a beautiful and wonderful thing. But what a stained thing. We ask that you would engage us, that you would make it right, that you would call us your own and protect us and free us. For you have created us and designed us for your glory. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.